Welcome to Hive Mind, the weekly podcast about pop culture. No. Culture. Welcome to Hive Mind, the weekly podcast from the Beehive about the latest and greatest in pop culture. Do you like how I just mansplained? I do. Thank you. Thank you for that. I needed it this Tuesday morning. Um, I am in studio today with Eli McCann and my husband, Stephen Walter. Stephen, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for asking me when everyone else said no. Mm -hmm. That's not what happened. I'm third wheeling today. This feels kind of fun. Yeah. I feel like I'm a a part of your marriage. Oh, boy. If only. I wish you luck. (laughs) Weathering that storm. Um, Let's talk about what we've been watching. Eli, what have you been watching? The other night, I went to a Hocus Pocus party. We watched (laughs) Hocus Pocus. And I have a thing to say about that film. So in the 90s, I watched it as a child. And, of course, the teenage children seemed like adults to me. But, like, kind of the premise of this entire film is that they have a really hard time finding a 15-year-old virgin <laughs> to light a candle. And, like, they make that joke repeatedly throughout yeah. the movie. They're like, oh, look, we finally found a virgin over yeah. here. And he, like, blushes. And, like, nobody can believe that there's finally a virgin. He's, like, 15. Yeah. And, like, if you That's are having, troubling. If you are having a hard a time. it's a Disney movie. Is it Disney? Yeah. If you're having a hard time finding a 15-year-old who is a virgin in your town, (laughs) your town has a serious problem. (laughs) So uh, it's a weird... And then Bette Midler goes 200% in everything that she does. It's insane. But Uh, That movie is surprisingly dark on rewatch. Like, a kid dies, like, right out the gate. Yeah. Yeah. Like, their soul is sucked from their body. Yeah. Scene one. Like, and the witches are out to murder all of the children in the town. (laughs) While the parents go to, like, what looks like a pretty cool party. No, that party slaps. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a great party. Any adult party where people actually get into Halloween uh, is a good party. The performance, incredible. Apparently, Bette Midler still performs that song uh, when she tours. Good. Apparently, she still tours. It's the only part of the movie I love. Oh, you know what? I love, I just love seeing the town. Like, I want to live in that town on Halloween because I'm a big Halloween fan. And I am every year, I'm so disappointed that we're the only house on my entire street that even passes out candy. Same. Same. It's so depressing. I'm like, come on, guys. Like, this is a a cute neighborhood with like fall trees. It could actually be a cool Halloween neighborhood. All these little old houses and. I put out like lights and we carve pumpkins, which is the worst. But I do it. Ugh. I do it for the cause. It is the worst. It is the worst. I, we're gonna have to do it because yeah. our children want to. I'm like, oh, the pain. What's worse, the gut, goop gutting on it, your hands, gutting it, or carving it? Gutting it by yeah. far. Like carving it, you're just like, this is ugly. I'm bad at this. Whatever. whatever. Yeah. Gutting it is like just a gross, painful process. Yeah. So it's the best Sarah Jessica Parker movie. What competes? All sex the in the sex city in the too. City movies. <laughs> like she doesn't really have. I'd say it's her best. A film. Uh, I mean, no. she's a TV. Mars career. attacks. Oh, okay. Mm, I don't know. She's barely in it, but yeah. No, but it's she's the best great movie in it. that she's in. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What else have you been watching? So we talked. We've talked about Please Like Me, which is that Australian show that I told you to watch. And Skylar and I that last week realized that we had actually never seen the final season of it, and so I watched that last week for the first time. And it is, the final season of that show is possibly the best writing I've ever seen in a TV show. It wrecked me. I've watched one of the episodes twice because it was like it very, very heavy, but so well done. So I hope you guys plow through and get to season four. I know that you started the show. I got bored and gave up. So I was just going to say, I just finished season one, and 
I'm not feeling compelled to keep going. Try season two because Hannah Gatsby is introduced at the beginning of season two and then she's in it through the rest of the series. All right. And I think that the show picks up pace quite a lot. Okay, because right now I'm kind of like, it's just these people over and over and nothing's Mm -hmm. really happening. And he makes a lot of frustrating choices where I'm like, I can't watch you do this over and over. Part part of the issue is a lot of the cast in that show are like 20-year-olds. And watching it as a 35-year-old, I'm just like, I could never hang out with any of you people. You're all (laughs) driving me crazy. But uh, the adult characters, the actual adults, the parents, are so well-written in the show. And I feel like as the show goes on, you get a lot more of their story. And I think that's the better part of the series. But start season two. If you're bored with it and you're going to give up, let me know. There are two episodes that I will force you to just go watch out of context. Um, But I hope that you can continue to plow through. Okay, so I've watched that. And then... Um, SNL was like possibly the worst episode I've ever seen with Chance the Rapper. Did you guys watch that this weekend? No. It was bad. And like a lot of really, there was this one sketch and a lot of people are freaking out about SNL right now. And I think it was because of this one sketch where he, um, Chance the Rapper pretends to be a judge and it's like the 10 second impression or first impression judge. So people come in and it's a TV show and he rules based on first impressions but like the entire premise of it is like somebody comes in and looks homeless so he rules against them somebody comes in and is clearly trans so he rules against them and it's just like the whole thing we were we were watching like this is like offensive and it's not even funny was it written by the guy they cast and then and then uncast who oh i don't know who that is what happened so this they cast on the same day, they cast Bo and Yang, who um, I think is like the best hysterical. part of the show right yeah. now, yeah. Um, and East Asian. Mm-hmm. And they cast this, just some comedian, and uh, obviously, White like dude. a podcast that he had recorded emerged of him saying like some very racist things oh, no. against Asians. And, you know, of course, there was like a big fallout, and he was eventually fired, and now he's got like support mm-hmm. from... People who are like, you should be able to be racist in comedy. What's comedy if it's not edgy? So anyway. Cool. Speaking of which, are you done? Yes, I'm done. I saw the Joker. You can't you can't whisper in a podcast. You You saw the Joker. Dramodity. Dramodity? The Joker. What how was it? It was twisted. Uh Uh-huh. It was terrible. Really? Why? Um Oh, I'm putting my hands in front of my mouth. This is an audio <laughs> medium. You can't gesture to me. Meg, I don't understand what you're saying. Tell us about the Joker. <laughs> oh, it's it's beautiful. It's beautifully shot. It's amazing. Uh, the acting's amazing. Really? Uh, Joaquin's not going to get an Oscar nomination, and people are going to be upset. Uh-huh. But that's fine. It's cool to see a comic book movie that's made for adults, even if it's... Mm-hmm. It's just fun. Okay. It's one of the most disgusting, like, stories <laughs> that I've seen in film. Disgusting it's how? Utter- utterly unredemptive. It's horrible to poor people. It's oh. horrible to the mentally ill. Huh. It suggests that, uh, what like, straight white men who are disenfranchised are perhaps justified in their anger and violence. Hmm. It is top to bottom, like one of the hardest looks <laughs> I've seen 
in a movie in a long time. Weird take for 2019. It was. It's just so strange. Huh. And the only, the only good writing I've seen on it, I <clears throat> don't remember who wrote on it, but they pointed out that Todd Phillips, the director's first movie, was a documentary about um, a, a particularly disgusting punk rock act who would like throw feces at people and was and like crazy racist, and, right? Well, yeah, racist and uh, abusive and sounds like Stranger Alive. Exactly. Not as edgy. <laughs> Are you guys going to do audience participation? Yes. It's going to be like Rocky Horror Picture Show, but like oh, more no. terrifying. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, anyway, the Joker. So, but Todd Phillips is like kind of wants to push boundaries. Is that the thesis? Yeah, but he doesn't have any focus. He's just like unhinged anger. Why? I don't know. And it, but it, it it makes no points worth talking about hmm. that that it got a standing ovation at the um, Venice. Venice Film Festival and I think at TIFF too is just an utterly insane. Thing. It was uh, the Blank Check podcast that talked about how that was his first film. Huh. Oh, sure. um, so that's worth listening to. I think that episode about the Joker, um, and I think that Todd Phillips' comments afterward have only made it worse. Oh, yeah. His, we're not allowed to do the kind of comedy we used to be allowed to yeah. do, which was stupid By the way, and gross. Mark Marin, Who's that? Is um, an the alt WTF comedian podcast. who hosts the WTF podcast. Oh. He's in Glow. Yeah. He okay. does, like, a really good job. And it almost makes me want to watch Glow. In the movie? Because he's so good in the movie. He's in, like, two scenes, and he outacts Joaquin and uh, Robert De Niro. He's great in Glow. He's really is good. Is that show though. still going? Yeah. Uh, third season was this year. And, so and it was it was it's really up. good. It's still good. Okay. Because they have so many characters that they can focus on. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they can, they all have really compelling stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else have you been watching, Steven? Two, two, two other things. Um, I always, oh, yeah. I'm putting my glasses. On. I don't know why. I'm so nervous, you guys. You can't. You're doing great. Yeah, so far you're doing a really nice job. Thank you, Eli. <laughs> Flattery. We'll get you everywhere. Yeah. Um, I watched. I'm uh, disenchanted. Disenchantment. The creator of Simpsons and Futurama uh. has a show on Netflix that uh, uh, Abby Jacobs is in it. Eric Andre is in it. Noel Fielding's in it. A lot of great uh, performances. It's it's a very odd thing to watch because it's not fast-paced, frenetic comedy mm-hmm. that we've kind of grown accustomed to. It's slowed down. Mm. Like, it's it's kind of hard to explain. There are just scenes that just don't have any jokes in them, huh. <laughs> which is, is an odd thing to, to watch. Like, even... Um, even a lot of dramas that we watch now are like pretty quick and like yeah. don't let you sit in a single scene for too long. Yeah. It's just kind of like a nice slow pace. And I'm, like, I don't love it. I would never like recommend it really, but I keep watching it. Okay. So the second season's on Netflix. And the other thing that I watched, we went to Disneyland um, last week. Brag. Humble brag. <laughs> and, Very um, fancy. <laughs> it's so fancy. And, um, they have a new Star Wars area, and it got me. I was when Meg told me we're going, I got like weirdly excited to go mm-hmm. to Star Wars Land, called the Galaxy's Edge. 
And then I started wondering why, like, what is it about Star Wars that's so, like, hits that nerve center of, like, a nostalgia for me? Mm-hmm. So I went and watched all the Star Wars, like, all 11 Star, Star what? Wars films. Since, since, like, Sunday? No, no, no. Like, oh, in the when last you couple found weeks, out. I just started, okay. like, kind of plowing through them. Okay, gotcha. And, like, casually watching them, but, like, they're not great. Yeah. But I love them so much. Which, which is the best and which is the worst? Probably Empire Strikes Back is the best one. Yeah. It's the first one that Lucas let somebody else direct, okay. which I think accounts Maybe for a lot of why it's it's the best. Um, The worst, I don't even know what the worst is because some of them are Episode so, one. Jar Jar Binks That's one. the one I can't one is, ever rewatch. One is pretty bad. Two two is maybe worse. Really? I, I mean, they're they're really bad. The prequels are really, really bad. Um, but, um, you know, the, the Mandalorian show that's an original series for Disney Plus is coming out in a couple of weeks. Looks really good. I'll probably watch it. Okay. And I think I'm like a lot of people, I'm just a Star Wars slut. And I will just, I will take whatever they give me. All right. I will read the comics and I will, it's, I, it's the nerdiest thing I do, mm-hmm. truly. Hmm. And, um, but I love it. So. That's what I've been watching lately. It's nice to have a dude back in here again, you know? A real man's man. Yeah, a real gotta, man's man. I got bringing in a lot of straight dude vibes. <laughs> Ever since Nick left, Meg and I are just like, so what about The Bachelor? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, um, the, really, the only thing I've been watching is the Bon Appetit YouTube videos. So, oh, you're still yeah. on those, huh? It's still, I just love them so much. Yeah. She's so um, charming. She's so charming. Uh, I just want to hang out with Claire all the time. Yeah, Claire's And I've started, girl. like, I've... Started in the morning being like, what would Claire wear today? And uh-huh. like, oh, yeah. how would Claire do her hair? Oh, yeah. Like, she's an icon. Their whole kitchen's outfits are very New York. Very too, New York. Right? So like mm-hmm. kind of frumpy, dark color. like Frumpy in like a very intentional way. Oh, sure. Yeah. Mm. A very fashion forward way. Um, and then I went to Eli's house <laughs> <laughs> on Sunday night. For a viewing of Hereditary, the to... movie we're here to talk about today. Let me start by saying I will never watch a movie with Eli. <laughs> I thought I was bad and sometimes ask mom questions in movies. Eli at one point, well, no, throughout the movie, Eli asked me questions expecting me to have the answers. Right. Like, why is their son, why is his skin a different color than theirs? And I was like, Eli, I don't know. It's like a casting decision. He's like, no, but why, why, why? I just didn't understand. Was well, he Mig, adopted? Mig's because he didn't look producer. like producer. You should know all <laughs> well, of these. Okay, so first of all, it was very hard to even get Meg to come over to do this because she was so scared. Rightfully and so. She canceled on me once, and then the day of or the day before she texts me and she's like, can we watch Hocus Pocus instead? <laughs> and I was like, first of all, lady, I just watched that last night. And she was like, I feel like you're joking. And I was not. No, because you I had not. just gone to a Hocus Pocus party. But so then she came over and she's like, can we leave all the lights on? So we left the lights on. I feel like I provided the kind of commentary you needed. Yes. Which was like, no. A stand-up comedy act play, that was happening. Commentary. Yeah, it was the stand-up only comedy problem act. was that like we missed some plot points because we you were to, like we talking to... about your knitting, which is great, but also My like was great. I like Could missed you knit me one of stuff. those um, uh, floor mats that they that they the, oh, the grandma knits. I, could, I mean, that'd be pretty easy. Okay. <laughs> Question: uh, What? Why would you walk 
on something that was like hand oh, lovingly. These people are idiots. It's insane. Because people don't understand how precious knitting projects are. Yeah. I have given knitting to people that like I poured my blood, sweat, and tears into, and they're like, thanks. And I'm like, no, you should be crying. You should be okay. kneeling down. So I didn't we had to mix tape. <laughs> Meg and I had to rewind twice. <laughs> Because yes. we were like both of us realized like oh we haven't been paying attention yeah. for like ten minutes yeah we had to go back and find it and I will like okay the f- I was into the movie like I was like this is an interesting plot this is interesting dialogue this is an interesting family yeah. to watch implode mm-hmm. this is a compelling family drama that's a little spooky I felt that way for one hour and forty five minutes yeah yeah at one forty five. Things get oh. insane, yeah. and they are the scariest 15 minutes of cinema I have ever experienced. Yeah. I tried to sleep the night after watching this, and yeah. this isn't a spoiler, so either accept that we're talking about spoilers and you'll never see Hereditary or pause and go watch Hereditary. Every time I would close my eyes, I saw a floating Tony Collette in the corner <laughs> sawing off her own head with a piano string. Yeah, that was pretty awful. Uh, the imagery in this movie is terrifying and so impressive. I have so many questions for the filmmakers on how they did what they did because that prop department yeah. deserves oh, yeah. all the money in the I have world. so much to talk to you guys about. I okay. love this movie so much. It, it truly, the last 15 minutes like were truly creepy. So up to that point, because I was like hardly paying attention, I was knitting and I was telling a very funny joke. <laughs> um, I was like not into it at all. And so I was like, oh, I'm not this movie is not going to scare me. All the lights are on. We have two dogs who are like running around yeah. us constantly. And we're both on our phones. We're both on our phones. We're making jokes. We're like tweeting, live yeah. tweeting our experience. I, You know, my knitting project is going really well. And then it hit those last 15 minutes and I kept making jokes but i was like actually feeling scared at the same time so when tony colette's like up in the corner i was like elf on the shelf am i right but i also had chills as i was saying it and i too woke up in the middle of the night and i was not like i wasn't picturing her sawing off her own head which was horrifying i was picturing all of the people at the very end of the movie all of these naked people are like bowing down and worshiping this kid yeah. who is the new like host of the demon who is like the star of the show and i could not stop thinking about that and i was so scared all night long oh, that's so funny i dreamed about death when i fell asleep so this movie affected both of us yeah and it's it's disturbing it's yeah. a disturbing movie from the from the jump like yeah. you're like oh this is going to be haunting and creepy yeah it's a slow burn and it's very effective in leaning up to the final 15 minutes now steven you love hereditary to the point where you saw it and begged me to go and i refused <laughs> yeah. because i know my limitations yeah. i will say that i regret not going when it was out because now i'm like i need to talk about hereditary yeah. Yeah, yeah. and the culture's moved on yeah mm-hmm. the same with midsummer this this last a couple months ago yeah it has like he creates movies that have a moment and you kind of have to get in on the conversation because what happens in these two movies is so bananas Mm -hmm. that you i like i left the theater and immediately called my brother who had seen hereditary like the night prior because i like had to talk to because it's a fun thing to talk about how horrifying this is but i want to hear why you love this movie uh, it's just, it's so well made. The acting is outrageously good. Yeah. I think Tony Collette is America's mom. 
Like she she has been playing mom since I can remember. Okay, and I want to interject. I was like really weirded out at how young she looks. Yeah, because yeah. I feel she looks great. The Sixth Sense was twenty years ago, and I feel like she looks younger in Hereditary than she did in yeah. The Sixth Sense. We we were like googling ages because I was like, no, 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 no. This woman yeah. has to be like in her sixties based on Sixth Sense. Anyway, she was yes. really young when she. And I think the implication in Sixth Sense is that like. I think there is a there's a note there that she maybe had a kid really really young. Okay. Uh, so it kind of makes sense, but really she's just she just looks traumatized. Like yeah. her face, her wrinkles, her eyes just have this harrowed look. Yeah. That it doesn't take her a lot to convey that kind of like, oh man, she's been through a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Gabriel Byrne, the who plays the, do do you guys go through the plot? Maybe you should do that. We, I, well, let's hear why you like it first, and then we'll kind of okay, go over the I just, And then the whole time I'm watching it, so the performances are outstanding. And and the, and the Gabriel Byrne plays a, a excellent, like, straight man who's just like, guys, let's just, like, get through this and figure it out. And let's actually talk about what mm-hmm. we're going through yeah. instead of bottling it up and pouring it into, you know, our art or into our anxieties or into mm-hmm. our, our spiritualism. The the son is who blew me away, like mm-hmm. an outstanding performance. Um, after he inadvertently kills his sister, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the look on his face. So you don't you don't see her head get lopped off. It, it's implied. Yeah. And then he he doesn't. They hold the camera on his face as just the terror um, slowly builds. He has a couple panic attacks later when she's doing the seance and he mm-hmm. starts freaking out. It's just great. And then the production quality was is so cool where they're mixing the miniature houses that Tony Collette's character makes yeah. with the actual sets that they built and the exterior house shots as well. Mm-hmm. Even little things like when she's in the like survivor group or the, sort of the um, 12-step grief program, it's kind of unnamed but like they put the 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 group is talking in a circle in the middle of a big auditorium and there's chairs and like coffee and stuff like way back behind them mm-hmm. and they use these lenses that are um almost meant to give you that like um tilt shifted you know that look that the um, the social network has when they're doing the rowing race. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it, yeah. It creates the illusion that some of the stuff in the background is miniature or that you might be in one of the miniature houses. Yeah. I even think some of the props, even when they're in, like, real space, like a, a set, are fake. So, like, I was pretty sure, like, the piano and some of the other objects in the background, when they're actually in, like, the living room... Are, is not a real piano. It's meant to. It's a prop that's meant to look like a miniature piano that yeah. they turned into a full size piano. Yeah. Like I, it's I clever. was, and to the. I would also be curious to know your guys' experience with other horror movies because I would say this is not even like on the Scoville, whatever the like hot pepper mm-hmm. of like whatever. There's probably a ratings for horror movies. Like this is like up there, but it's probably not in like horror fans like most scary movie well list. what do you think is the scariest movie you've ever seen i mean i think the shining is oh. just because there's so little like supernatural stuff yeah 
it's just literally about a man trying to kill his family, the, and it, it's yeah. really unnerving. This is just a matter of what scares you, because yeah. supernatural <clears throat> freaks me out. But when it just right. when it's just like a serial killer and there's no supernatural, I'm like, yeah, I know there are psychopaths in the world. Like it doesn't. I'll be I can be jumpy, right. but once the movie ends, I'm not like scared about it anymore because I'm like, there's not a serial killer outside my house. Ghost movies freak me out because I'm like, what if my house is a little haunted? So it's just like a, this <laughs> okay. is just yeah, a matter sure. of so of what gets be, you because yeah. supernatural freaks me out. This movie gave me the terror, yeah, and it's really yeah. light on the supernatural too. So like. You'll see the the grandma's visage for a second yeah. at the beginning, but it's not like you, it kind of frames it like yeah. it's just her working through her guilt almost, and it's her yeah. imagination. And then the like the seances, the, there's just like a little wind and maybe a cup moving and maybe yeah. some the candle flaring a little bit. Like the supernatural level is like pretty low, which I think really works in their favor. There's not like yeah. ghosts crawling around a lot. And so a lot of these effects are practical and they look really good. Yeah. I think like the the flies and maggots and stuff didn't didn't look really good huh. on second rewatch, but Oh, I didn't notice, but I do think the props, the body props are Oh, they're really interesting. A plus. Yes. A plus yeah. work on that. Uh, ha- I'm with Eli in mm-hmm. that the supernatural scares me more than probably anything else, especially this brand evil, of supernatural, evil the evil supernatural, supernatural. Mm-hmm. devil, mm-hmm. occult. Okay, so I cuz you said that the ending is what really freaks you out. Yeah. But, like, I pictured, like, the ending I felt was, like, kind of a warm, like, it's over. Like, what? Cre- <laughs> so you are an insane person. Well, that's not up for dispute. But, the, the, like, it ends with them worshiping Satan. <laughs> well, one of Satan's One of Satan's kings. Yeah. So, so, but, like. The it just felt like the terror was over, like the the craziness was gone. Mm. No one was going to be killed anymore, mm. and like, uh, and then it 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 rolls to the credits, and there's like a warm sixty. Joni pop Mitchell song. is it? Joni Mitchell. Oh, yeah. yeah, that and was it, a good good yeah. use of music. He does that again yeah. in Midsummer. He, oh, really? he cuts to like a very similar vibe, and it might be worth mentioning. Like he's not going to do horror anymore. Really? Um, after Midsummer, I think. He's clearly just interested in making like interesting drama, like mm-hmm. family and relationship dramas. But I think, frankly, it's easier to get a budget if you if you make horror movies because horror fans turn out to the oh, movies. Yeah. So an interesting thing about the family drama aspect of this, I think that if you removed all the supernatural, it would still be a very compelling movie about yeah. a family going through grief. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the, according to the IMDb trivia page. A lot of the cast and crew of this movie consider this movie a family drama yeah. and not a horror. Yeah. What? Well, two two quick things about that. One is there's a similar movie called The Ice Storm. That, yeah. That's really Which good. I haven't seen, but I've heard it discussed. It's, it is like, I, I would say like it's way more devastating because it's not creepy at all. Like yeah. if you remove the horror out of it, then you're just sitting there like you do for the first basically 45 minutes of the movie or more maybe until things start getting crazier and crazier where you're just sitting with like the grief of what a family has just been through and how they're all dealing with it differently and one silver lining they start communicating after Charlie dies so let's dig in <laughs> a little bit to the plot here right. um because the reason that this family starts to implode is that their daughter Charlie 
who has been encouraged to go to a party by her mother, Tony Collette. You gotta back up there a little bit, Meg. Please. It starts with the it starts with the obituary. Of the grandmother. Of the grandma. Which is a really succinct way of setting up how all the family structure works. Go on. So it says the grandma died, she was survived by her daughter, who's played by Tony Collette, and not survived by her son, and it gives his name. Mm-hmm. And then it also says that um, Tony's married to Dr. So-and-so. A psychiatrist. A psychiatrist, and then has two children, right? Charlie and... Peter. Peter. Um, and then you, it cuts to uh, her, Tony working on one of her... Miniatures. Miniatures. Because she's a miniaturist, which it turns out is a job. <laughs> mm-hmm. In Park City. <laughs> Park okay. City. That's, that's yeah. where you have we'll to get, have We'll get to job. location. You're creeping into my... T- <laughs> okay. They, and then it, 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 you're inside of a miniature, and then it pans right into the bedroom of Peter, who's asleep in bed. Yeah. And then it turns from a miniature into, like, Gabriel Byrne walks in into it. It's this an unbelievable, like, magic trick um, that gets you unsettled, I think, right from the beginning. One of my like, what's real? Yeah, what's, what's fake, real? What's, what's is this all a story? Yeah. Is this happening? Then it, and then they're getting ready for a funeral. They go to the funeral. Tony Collette is giving a eulogy for her mom, which is a which is a bonkers. It's a eulogy. sick burn of a eulogy. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. my mom was a difficult person. She had her private rituals. I can't believe how many people. I can't are believe here. people showed up to her funeral. <laughs> yeah, essentially, she was a very hard woman. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. And so then um, then they're all kind of like not dealing with. The, the the trauma of having the grandma pass who had been living in the house. Then you start getting individual characterizations that are really succinctly done. And they set up the peanuts or the nut allergy really, really succinctly. Oh, right. Like they're at the funeral and, and it shows how Gabriel Byrne interacts with his daughter, Charlie, where he says, hey, there's no nuts in that, right? She says no. And Tony Collette's like, good, because we don't have the EpiPen. And you know, like, you're already starting to get characterizations on these two parents. Then, uh, then you get into like Tony Collette snapping at her son, forcing her to him to take Charlie, who's thirteen, to the party. Crazy party. So Charlie and Charlie is odd. Charlie is a very yeah. weird kid. She's I don't know simultaneously what to say about that. 60 and 6. Yeah, yeah, Eli was like really wigging out about her age. And I was too, like, how mm-hmm. old is this person? Yeah. Yeah. I cannot place the age. Is she 6? Is she 21? So, yeah. Did she, you read on? Uh, I, I have no idea. Is there any makeup or anything? Because, like, I, so I think like they added makeup. Puberty, she's a cute like, girl. She played Matilda on Broadway. Oh, she's fine. like a good. Actor, they they make her face look really tired and weird, yeah, yeah. like borderline. There's yeah. something wrong with this person. Yeah. Um, she goes to the party with her older brother, right? 
And then this is my favorite shot is like, because we've all been to parties where someone says, hey, can you chop like nuts for us? <laughs> like I have a whole bag of nuts. and <laughs> Just they're setting up the fact that she's going to get have sure. an allergic reaction. There's someone in the kitchen just like chopping nuts. There's a bunch of 16 year olds at a high school party. And smoking pot and Someone's, someone's chopping, chopping nuts, nuts and sure. has baked a cake. But, you know, whatever. Uh, so they go to this party. She eats some of this cake, unknowing that there are nuts in it. Her throat starts to close up. Peter, who is high as a kite. Mm-hmm. Uh, needs to rush her to the emergency room. It's a very, I think the score does so much heavy lifting yeah, in this movie. Yeah. The score really, really creates good. tension in a lot of important ways. So on this drive, like the score is going bananas. They're like, She's are you going to make it to the to ER? Breathe. She can't breathe. She does such a, you feel horrible for her. Yeah. Even though until that point in the movie, she's kind of set up as like the, the omen child. Like you think it might be one of those movies where the, Creepy like a kid. child is possessed, and they're well. And the advertising for this movie implicated that the advertising for this movie featured yeah. a lot on her. So yeah. you're like, this is a movie about a creepy. It's kind kid. of a psycho twist where like yeah. the main character you thought you were going to be with the whole movie dies in the first 20 minutes. Yeah. So her, she's trying to breathe, sticks her head out the window. He's driving pretty erratically, swerves to miss a cat, hits a pole, head lops off, and then he's just in shock. He's in shock. He doesn't even home. look back. Yeah, he looks home. briefly into the rearview mirror. Yeah. And, and you can just see he's shaking. Yeah. He's like, just it, as anyone would be in severe and, trauma like in that. In my theater, in my screening, like maybe 20 people screaming, like mm-hmm. full screaming. It's yeah. horrifying. Yeah. yeah. And so he get, he gets home and he apparently just goes to bed because the next morning mom goes down to the car and finds this disembodied, well, Whale. this head. Shot yeah. so you just sit with him in his room and you yeah. hear Tony Collette say, screaming. Hey, I'm going out to get something. And you hear the door close. And then you hear her screaming through like three layers of like doors and walls and stuff. It's, it's really effective. Or it's very then you unsettling. You see a quick shot of the dismembered head on the side of the road. And that was the point when I was like, I've never seen a child's head lopped off in a movie. Like, yeah. I can't, I mean, there's things that. People just typically don't go for in yeah. in movies because they're so. And Ari did. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> she's a teenager, and I think that's an important distinction. Uh, yeah. Or she's six. Or, yeah, <laughs> or, or yeah, yeah. sixty four. We're not sure. Um, but so from that point on, it's this family kind of spiraling into grief, right? Um, and there's like really tense scenes and Tony Collette is like freaking out at Peter because he's not apologetic enough. But how do you, I mean, he's in high school. How does a high school boy deal with all this? I'm kind of rushing through some of this to get to this woman who Tony Collette meets in the support group, Mm -hmm. um, and befriends her and is like, Hey, I know this sounds crazy, but I've found something that changes my life. I've figured out how to essentially do seances and communicate with my grandson who passed away. Mm-hmm. Invites Tony Collette over and Tony Collette's like, why am I even here? They do a successful seance with a recitation and there's a chalkboard. Mm-hmm. Um, and the chalkboard says like, I love it's you, very grandma. Very Ouija boardy. Very yeah. Ouija boardy. But Tony Collette is so desperate to do anything to relieve some of the grief that she decides she's going to do this seance at home. Well, and and importantly, Tony Collette abandons the seance because she's freaked out, and the woman very desperately is like, 
just try this at home. Keep doing it. Keep doing Played it. Played by Ann Dowd, who is incredible. And she's really good in it. And so she's she is left with this kind of urge from this woman. Like I know you you got kind of freaked out, but you should just keep trying this. And you need to do it with your husband and son in yeah. the room. The yeah. whole family needs yeah. to it's, be It'll be there. good for your and family. She gives Ann Dowd gives Tony Collette a sheet of paper instructing her how to do it. Yeah. Which I didn't think about the first time I watched. I think the second time, she maybe was tricking her into doing a, like a demonic spell yeah oh, like absolutely. by reading the what she had written on it anyway. so she sends her home with these instructions little does she know that doing this recitation is actually summoning well because it was all faked right it wasn't yeah. actually Anne down's grandson it was like a demonic a spirit yes um and so they invite by doing the seance with her very reluctant husband and son who are just desperate to placate her and give her any sort of relief because she is so sad. Mm -hmm. Uh, They invite this demon and they have fulfilled what this cult needs them to do by allowing this demon to come into their family and into their bodies. And that's the point where the demon starts hopping around, possessing each of them. Mm -hmm. Um, and things get murdery and insane from there yeah. until ultimately the only surviving member of the family is Peter, who yeah. is possessed. We should go through their deaths, though, because they're kind of crazy. Well, we, we have Real so quick. much to cover. Gabriel Byrne, like, um, Tony Collette tries to burn a book that she's freaked out about that was a drawings from her daughter. She tries to light it on fire, and then her sleeve lights on fire. So she puts out the book, and her sleeve gets on She She convinces her husband to light the book on fire and he she throws it in the fire and he immediately bursts into full flames which is like really crazy looking yeah then um uh tony collette starts becoming like full like demon she's floating around and this is where like the jump scares start this is where it gets like traditional horror movie yeah. scary because it turns into a horror movie. she's in white in these floaty clothes and she'll like sprint yeah. across a room and you're like Bleh! so they yeah. go up to an attic which is not in the miniatures in the house and so kind oh, of like doesn't exist yeah. and then they find the body of like the grandma I think yeah who has it doesn't matter but um, Tony Collette had flipped over a piano and then is sawing her head off with a piano wire which is Really a bonkers looking yeah. effect. And um, then you don't see her head fall off, but yeah. you hear it, which is almost yeah. worse. And earlier yeah. in the movie, um, Peter has saw a, a ghost of Charlie and her head falls off and then turns into a ball. And it makes that same noise on the floor. Mm-hmm. Thunk, yeah. thunk. It's crazy. He jumps out a window. He, you hear the mom's head fall on the floor. Then you see the mom's dismembered body floating up into the um, treehouse tree house where... The mom seems drawn to the daughter seems drawn to, um, but you, he he then like kind of in a sort of a haze climbs up into it, and the whole like there's a whole demonic cult. Most of them aren't wearing clothes. I'm and Dowd <laughs> probably in her writer was like, no, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm gonna I wear, get to wear a cloak. <laughs> yeah, she's wearing like a, and and they have the corpses of both the bodies kind of praying to this sort of satanic looking thing, but the music starts the music. The score changes. It becomes kind of warm and like um, triumphant. Yeah, she, and and they're like the demon has possessed the new body. And yeah, now we got he's the new good. body, and now he can give us fortune and wealth and and familiars. So and, I have a question about yeah. this scene. So and then it cuts and then it ends. Well, Anne Dowd says, "Charlie, don't worry. You're okay. Here's what's going on." Yeah. So 
Was Charlie always the demon? Yes. Why was she not more evil? Because she needed a male body. They keep going okay. on about that. And, okay. and, and she became possessed because she, the grandma breastfed her, which is right. a, a, a crazy little note. And there's on. a lot of nuance here that we don't have time to cover. Um, in that, like, there's different clues that Tony Collette stumbles upon and kind of different explanations to yeah. why everything is the way it is. It's a very interesting story. It's the kind of story where after the movie, I kept pulling up stuff to be like, now what? Yeah. Wait, what? Where? Yeah. Um, very well written. I want to talk about the location of this movie, which is Utah. Yeah. Primarily downtown Salt Lake, yeah. Park mm-hmm. City. I think that added another element for me personally oh, yeah. of yeah. freakiness where I was I, like, this is my place and yeah. these things are happening in that, my place. Like, I, I think this is like the quintessential Utah movie. Like I can't think of another movie that t- like looks more like Utah than this movie mm-hmm. does. Dumb and Dumber? <laughs> Dumb and Dumber is in, well... They say they're in Aspen, right? Yeah, but yeah. they're in Park City. Yeah. This is a very Utah movie. The yeah. part in the, the graveyard. Clothing, the 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 Tony Collette's like an artist married to a psychiatrist living in Park City. In the cool Sundance the, house. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and like all the, they, they don't hide the fact, like they call it West High. Yeah. He's actually at West High. And they never name a location. No. The, but it's Utah, and there's a scene in the cemetery where the mountains are in the background. And you're like, that is Utah. That yeah. is, those are Utah yeah, mountains. That is Utah foliage. Like that is, uh, very Utah, and yeah. that's very unnerving it's, to it watch. Is. And as I was watching it at the Tower Theater on Ninth and Ninth, I was like, oh, that's West High, cool. Oh, that's on South Temple. I know where that is. Yeah. Oh, that's out like. Where she has her support group is over, like, the old fairgrounds where the DMV is. And, like, it does drive me nuts <laughs> when he's like, did you ride your bike home from school? You're like, what are you talking about? You can't ride a bike <laughs> from West High all the way to Park City? Crazy? Yeah. This is a little distracting. But, like, the way they're dressed, the cars they drive, like, the look of the teenagers, like, everything about it, to me is like very utah it speaks to a very specific like culture rich utah rich mountain it's rich utah Utah, yeah yeah. for sure it's like a park city salt lake kind of uh utah progressive Mm -hmm. definitely Yeah. yeah so in the last few minutes that we have because we do need to wrap this up um what is the story about and did it happen or is this all tony collette's imagination because the, the final shot of the movie is, it, so you end on all these worshipers in the treehouse worshiping, I forget the god's name, but it's Peter as mm-hmm. this god. Um, and then it pans out and it's the miniature that yeah. Tony Collette has created. Mm-hmm. What are we to take from that? And what is the overall thesis of this movie? For me, I, I, for me it's mental health. Right. The inherited mental health. And that's not something I came upon on my Mm -hmm. own. That's a lot of reading has led me to that conclusion that the mental health uh, started. The mental health problem started with the grandma who has multiple personalities disorder disorder, as she she mentions in Mm -hmm. the support group. Um, And that's something that Tony Collette has inherited and is trying to reckon with um, and does so very poorly. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also about like the the. Um, nature versus nurture of mental illness that you being a traumatized 
person with mental illness and your behavior because of that can cause trauma onto your children and your right and then and then a third generation so like we never even see the grandma we see her in photos yeah we which just is so clever really mm-hmm. smart because i don't think it wouldn't have served wouldn't have any purpose yeah. yeah um and then it's about demons and getting scared and to that extent like i think it's a really effective movie it scares a lot of it's like a very um talked about movie as being like exceptionally scary so there's an anecdote that someone tweeted uh that they were in a screening of this and during the end someone in the theater yelled i just wanted to go see book club (laughs) (laughs) there were there were um uh two guys like two three rows in front of me at the at the screening i was at and um about halfway like as soon as things start really ramping up one of them just put his hands over his face put his face in his lap and his friend started rubbing his back yeah. just to like get him through the last like 15 15 <laughs> minutes i mean it's it's a lot it's a lot i i think people who love horror um i think really like this movie yeah. which is unusual for kind of a middle brow like kind of art, artsy film hmm. what are your thoughts eli uh it's just elf on the shelf but the terror version, I don't know. I didn't give it much more thought than that. I just didn't sleep and dreamed of death. Yeah. Yeah. Did it happen? In the universe of this movie, did these events happen? Yeah, I think so. I never would have occurred to me otherwise. Yeah, same. And what's the, what's the final shot? Well, it's of the treehouse, but I just would think that Peter, now Charlie, also builds and tinkers and stuff. I, I don't think it happened. My reading is it did not happen, and it that is. You want it not to have. No, I think it's. I think it's Tony <laughs> Colette. Um, I think that she's a tortured artist, and this was a mental illness episode. Do you think um, movies should have like an internal logic that, like, if they set a rule, they should like stick to it? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. early in the movie. Um, both parents are like, take your shoes off. This is a no-shoes house. And I, I live in a shoes house, not a no-shoes house, but I am a respecter of no-shoes homes, okay? Uh-huh. You ask me to take your shoes off. The rest of the movie, they're all wearing shoes in the house. Well, they're teens. This is ridiculous. No, Gabriel Burns wearing shoes. Tony Collette's wearing shoes. It's incredible. Maybe they changed the very upsetting. Maybe they realized they were being it. a little too high maintenance. <laughs> That's a scene they cut. Um, we need to we need to wrap up, but I do want to apologize to Pam, a listener who watched this movie and reached out to say she also did not sleep. Oh, so sorry, I'm sorry, Pam. Pam. Thanks for listening, everybody. Stephen, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Yep. And we will see you next week. Bye.